Just a quick note before we get started today. If you've been enjoying How to Be an Artist and you'd like to support it, please feel free to review it and leave a rating on iTunes. Share it. And of course, you can support How to Be an Artist by going to patreon.com forward slash H2BNA. Thanks, and on with the show. How to Be an Artist. Step 21. Discovering Your Artistic Path. With guest David Hobbin. Now, are you like a uh, tenure track uh, at BYU right now? Yeah, yeah, full time. Nice, nice. One of the few, one of the chosen few that get to get on the tenure track. <laughs> oh man, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm, I'm up for this is the start of my third year, so I'm going up for some big reviews, kind of cool. this spring, and trying to just keep that ball rolling. Nice. And then I'm guessing you're just mixing that in with like freelance work as well, right? Yeah. So part of it is I have to keep the freelance going. Um, I, that's kind of one of the ways I prove my value, prove my worth. Is ah, interesting. Yeah. So it's it's basically like taking on two two full time jobs. Yeah, you have to have one of the jobs to pr- prove you deserve the other job. Right. Right. Yeah, as an illustration professor. I know that's always an issue because I know like students can get really upset when they're like, why are you teaching me this stuff if you don't even know how to you know, do this stuff yourself, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and even then, I feel like I'm trying to catch up and, and make sure I know the stuff to teach them and, and uh, still you know, format a lesson for them so they make it, sure. make it understandable. Yeah. Do you have a third? I mean, I'm, I've, I've seen on your website, you've got a, all a bunch of like amazing prints and stuff. Do you have time to do that? More of your personal stuff as well here and there? I try to fit it in where I can. Um, and, uh, you know, I try to make sure that I draw for myself every day. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Just, just something to kind of keep me sane and keep me, keep the creativity going a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's a, we just, I just was, um, we had, we had a guest visit from Gary Taxali the other day and he was talking about the importance of that like make sure you draw for yourself and keep that like just like you go to the gym you know you make sure you take care of your body and you kind of work out your creative muscles on your own every day too yeah i think that's something that i always i found as a challenge when i was like putting pressure on myself uh to to you know be in the top of my game mm-hmm. is that it can sometimes be, be very hard to figure out what drawing for yourself looks like yeah. There's always like this pressure of like, I've got to draw, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, there's little things that people do. I mean, they got like the Inktober kind of stuff on mm-hmm. social media and things like that. I actually found that if I, if I force myself to do it every day, then it becomes mm-hmm. more of a burden. But if mm-hmm. I just naturally like allow myself to, you know, doodle here and there or sit down with my wife at the end of the day, we're just watching TV to just grab a sketchbook and not do it with any specific like need to, to fill somebody else's requirement, but just to, to have it out and then allow myself days where I'm like, no, nah, I just don't feel like it, you know, <laughs> and it just kind of like, it, it helps, you know, you, you like, you yeah, want to be driven, but, but like you're saying, like not too driven. Yeah. I think that's really healthy. That's something I got to, I've, I've, I've done very little sketching. This is like one of the themes on this podcast. I've said this probably five or six times now, but like, mm-hmm. I've just been in this phase where I've just, I've like, have done probably the least amount of drawing I've done in like the last, you know, maybe 20 years of my life in oh, this wow. past, yeah. this past year. But it's just, it got to the point where I was just like, I don't, I just don't really want to do it right now. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, I'm not doing it right. I keep expecting okay. for that to change, but it hasn't, it hasn't quite, it hasn't quite changed yet, but no, I'm fine think- with that too. I think that's really healthy to be able to tell yourself that, you know, and I yeah. think especially this year, you know, with everything else going on, but, but I think one of the, the disservices we do sometimes to people is, is make them feel that, that there isn't any difference between like passion and obsession. Mm. Like, like making yeah. art is my passion, but like, I'm not so obsessed that I can't find other things in my life, you know, other things that are important and, and worthy and, and anybody I know that's that's turned their passion into an obsession has just ruined every other aspect of their lives. So, yeah, be careful. yeah, it can become become really unhealthy. Yeah. yeah, we really don't have that that place. Well, there's a little. I mean, people kind of kind of get that distinction, but you can get by pretty well in life 
having an unhealthy, you know, relationship to work. And most yeah. people aren't, aren't going to really give you a hard time about that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's, that's weird, right? That we, we see that and we kind of reward it rather than like say, mm-hmm. Hey, you might want to slow down a little bit here. Stop destroying yeah. everybody around you. The only one that's really going to complain is like, if you have like a wife or kids, those are the only ones that are really going to gonna be upset by that. But right. everyone else is like, wow, good for you. So dedicated. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's interesting that you say that because if, it, if you're going to listen to anybody, you know, it's your wife and family, like <laughs> yeah. your, your significant other is going to hopefully have your best interest at heart and say, Hey, yeah, you know, exactly. we're like, nah, it's fine. It's fine. We'll keep going. Yeah. I mean, that gets, that gets to like, I think one of the big imbalances we have in life is, is we're so oriented to this like outward, outward expectations, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I think it's really helpful. Um, yeah. If you can't be at peace in your home and you can't be in peace in yourself, you know, you're probably doing things backward. If yeah. everyone, everyone else, if everyone else is happy with you, except for yourself and your family. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Things yeah, probably I mean, need that, to be adjusted a little bit. That and we hear the stories of that all the time, right? I mean, but it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to listen to those cautionary tales and think, no, 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 that's that other guy. I, I can, I can make this work. You know. It's well, like, the thing is, too. I mean, being an artist, it's like it is. It takes a real hustle to be an artist and to make a living as an artist. Yeah. So there's true. a big incentive to like put everything into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that, maybe that comes back around to what you're saying about where you take a break from it for a little while and then you realize like, uh, I'm going to, I'm kind of good with this pace now. I don't need to be as um, driven as I thought I did. Or, mm-hmm. I, you know, maybe like, maybe I'm, you know, climbing up the wrong ladder a little bit and being able to step yeah. back and, and just kind of check yourself. Because yeah. you've lost so many good artists to burn out. You know, I see that with students all the time, students that are amazing artists and they put so much pressure on themselves and, and feel that, that same kind of thing like you're describing where everybody around them is is saying, yeah, keep working hard. Keep, keep burning the midnight oil. And, yeah. And nobody's there to say, Hey, look, like you got to chill out. You got to yeah. break, you know, or find some, find like, what's the, like connect to the joy. What is the joy that, that drives you to make art? Oh, find that delight yeah. in making art. I like yeah. that idea. Connect to the joy. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. 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 I had a, had a, re- I'm not going to repeat every, everything. I had a really good uh, discussion with uh, Jess Smart Smiley. Do you, do you oh, know yeah. him? Just through yeah. like, social media. Yeah. Yeah. And he has, he has one of the best attitudes about creating art. I really, I really envy it because I, I've like been so miserable making so much art, <laughs> but he was, he was, he was kind of saying this thing like, He's like, I, every project I do, I, I try to figure out how to, how I'm going to enjoy the project, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. which I think it's like, oh, that's, that's a good thing to put into your plan, into the planning phase is like how you're going to, how you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of how you're, how you're going to get through it, you know? Right. And man, if just even saying that it brings to mind immediate projects I've had where I'm like, there's been that thought of, I know I need to do this. So how am I going to get through it? Instead of <laughs> how can I really have some fun with this? How can I have some fun doing it? Yeah. That's, that's interesting because a couple of different artists I've spoken to recently have brought up that same kind of idea of like, you have to, you know, even when you're taking on commissions for maybe clients that aren't who you had dreamt up or the relationship isn't so great, but if you still go into it with that mindset of, um, you know, how can I find some passion for what I'm doing here? It can really make the work so much better. Even you know, Hopefully the process is better, but the, the end result is better too. Yeah. And you think about who's going to, who's going to fare better. I mean, if you want to think about competitively, you know, who's going to fare better in the long run, someone, someone that, that is enjoying what they're doing or someone that's just like miserable and pushing themselves and wanting something to happen at some point in the future that they never get to, you know? Yeah. 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 Really good point. Yeah. So, um, I want to, on that note, I kind of want to lead the discussion towards, um, this, uh, what was this, this forum you did, um, at, at BYU, which I, I just read a like summary of it on LinkedIn, which is kind of nice. We actually, we had ori- originally had scheduled this for like last week. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure the discussion would have been fine if we had scheduled it for, for last week, 
Um, but then I saw this and I was just like, oh, this is like just this summary I thought was such a good way to frame frame the discussion. Oh, cool. You know, yeah. um, so I thought I thought it'd be really cool to 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 yeah, I was reading just this summary of what you discussed and it was really interesting because there's a lot of little points on on there that just really resonated with where I am at lately. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting because you are, you're coming from the perspective of, you know, active LDS and using a lot of, a lot of, you know, spiritual terminology and describing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I've, I've, uh, you know, left the LDS church, mm -hmm. but there's still a lot of it where I'm like, Oh, this, like, there's a way in which this all like resonates with me. So, yeah. um, I would love to just get like, um, we can kind of go over what you discussed, some of the, some of the, the metaphors you used and, um, uh, yeah, we can kind of talk about maybe I can be for those that are not like, um, LDS out there or, or not like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> religious, maybe I can do some translation and be like, Here, here's how for someone that is not explicitly religious, here's how it, it kind of, um, works for me. So, yeah, sure, um, sure. does that sound cool? All right. Yeah, that's um, yeah, you, you talked about this story. Maybe you can talk about this, this, uh, story with the guitar and the, the metaphor you use with the guitar as far as like how you're using that to guide your life. And then we can kind of like, like go, th go from there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I should probably like back up and say like, you know, that this particular lecture I gave is part of a, a series that the, um, the college of fine arts down at BYU does every year called faith and works where they, mm. they want the speaker to, to discuss like um, some aspect of how their, their work is informed by their faith and vice versa. Mm. And so um, it's a bit unusual from other presentations I would give like in an academic setting because it's kind of like a, like a talk at church or a sermon and mm -hmm. an academic kind of talk too. And so I, I took it in more of the direction of like, like kind of a Ted talk sermon because one, I just, I don't know, tell, you know, you get up in front of a group and you give your biography. It just, it starts to feel a little bit strange after a while. And, Sure. And also, like I, so I had been, I had proposed the, the the way that this thing works is people send in proposals, like kind of like the TED Talk type stuff, and then you get, you know, picked out based on your, on your abstract. And they had let me know, um, well over a year ago that I was gonna that I was chosen to do it, and I was originally going to give this, this talk um, right before graduation in the spring. Hmm. Yeah. And so I was all geared up to be like motivational, like you're going to go out and <laughs> you know, like, here's what you're going to do now. And you've got this great yeah. education. And then, you know, in, in the time that it took for the, the talk to be rescheduled, you know, we had worldwide pandemic and yeah. social unrest and political unrest. And, and then I was scheduled to do it like two days after the election. <laughs> it's just like, I, if I get up and say what I'm really thinking right now, it's probably not going to be. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want I don't want to alienate fifty percent of my audience by by tearing into you know yeah what what people may not realize too is is uh I, the audience at BYU is is not quite as homogenous as you may think um mm -hmm. I mean there's definitely there's definitely a conservative faction there for sure but especially when you get into the arts I mean yeah you almost any opinion you're going to guarantee to, to make someone angry at, yeah. <laughs> at a setting like that. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, not to get too far into it, but like my, my political leanings are not what typically comes out of Utah County and, and yeah. Pro As I would expect. Yeah. So I, you know, I had to just kind of be careful. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just chose to make it more about this idea of, um, you know, if you, for me that what's made the difference in my, in my career. And I think in my life has been to, um, to have a, a specific intention that's not reliant on basically like a skill, like, you know, some artists mm -hmm. get in and they say, well, I want to be this great oil portraitist or portraiture or however you say it, portrait painter. And, um, and that's what drives them and that's what they want to do. And they, you know, they chase after the, the greats of that, particular genre and, and, um, and, and they become great at it and that's what they want to do. But, but for me, 
my my artistic career and the jobs I've had and the opportunities um, have been you know driven more about kind of what intrinsically felt right at the time, uh, maybe more value based judgment than just hmm. whatever. Um, and actually, I, I was just reading recently about this idea of, of the difference in people who are like more they make judgments based more on statistics um, versus people that are more value based. And and that word sounds kind of loaded, but just it's basically like the difference between somebody that's following um, like a prescribed route and somebody that kind of is trusting in their gut a little bit. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in about this. That's one of the things that really resonated with me is I'm kind of in this, I'm kind of in a very transitional period right now in my life, Uh but um, that's something where I am very much resonating with the idea of like intuition and kind of the power of intuition. Yeah. And although the language, the LDS language, you can talk about the the Holy spirit or whatever, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm starting to come to see the real wisdom and power and not that it, it should you go by itself. Like, mm-hmm. like you do need to, to think about things, but that it's something that's underutilized is this intuitive sense of like what feels right. Like you say, going, going by your gut. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, it, and it's one of those things that depending on the on the crowd that you say that in, you get like kind of mixed reviews, right? And <laughs> follow your heart. Follow your heart, right? It just sounds <laughs> cheesy and like yeah. like you've given up on, on on rationality or something like that. Yeah, but but I think you know it's interesting. Like as I as I look back at, at my career artistically, which has been kind of all over the place. Um, mm. I mean. You know, we've known each other since I was photoshopping hearing aids. At, you know, school. <laughs> like, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's you've, it's it's changed a lot, but there's this sense of like, like I look at that and I think, well, every move had a purpose, and every every transition had a purpose too, for one reason or another. You know, an opportunity might have come up where I felt the need to seek out another opportunity. Um, yeah, and. And it was what felt right. But also there was like a heavy dose of like, this feels right. And then, you know, that introspection and analysis that, you know, is this really a good call? Yeah. One of the things, just just to like bring it back to like the LDS tradition, I think one of the things that's nice that comes out of that is when it's done right, you're supposed to, you're supposed to start, the the, the, the scriptural terminology is like, or wording is like study it out in your mind first and right. then then get the confirmation of the spirit. So when it's done right, you are supposed to think carefully about things first, but then you kind of like which I think that's what everyone does anyway. I think people yeah. kind of kind of hide the fact that emotion is really driving everything. Yeah. You know, and then we use all all of our facts and analysis to try to like justify what we're doing. But I think at a certain level we are all really kind of being guided by our gut, you know? Yeah. I think that's, that's really true. And, um, it's amazing though, like the lengths that we have to go to, to convince people of that, you know, yeah. think, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I'll stay away from politics, but like, we think more about, <laughs> like, like, you know, artists in general that they want to, if you get into grading, I think it's really interesting part of that hmm. teach class because, students want to have this sense of there being some, some exact standard that like um, the rubric of the class is like, I can, I can look at these drawings and I'm going to put them into my spreadsheet and it's going to pop out this grade for you. And, yeah. and it's like every semester I have this conversation with the students where I say, look, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the best I can to be objective, but artistically, mm-hmm. like I have my preferences and I'm going to look at something and I'm going to say, you know, maybe technically you were able to do that well, but like, it's completely uninteresting to me visually. Like it just does nothing for me. <laughs> I, I feel that way. Like, like, you know, to be honest with a lot of the, the figurative work that, that I, I see, like, like I see it's foundational necessity and certainly I benefited from studying that, but yeah. I also get to a point where I'm like, okay, cool. What else you got? You know? And, and that's where the subjective stuff comes in and, and where the, the gut level is just like, Okay, you know, I, it's not like I'm saying what you're doing is bad, but like I just have to be honest, like it's not doing anything for me personally. <laughs> well, fortunate, fortunately, you're doing it within a within a department where 
hopefully people aren't too concerned or aren't too like wrapped up with, with what their grade is at the end of the day. <laughs> you know, you would be surprised. It's really, that's really interesting. Important. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like it's, it's nothing against the students. It, it's the system that they're involved in where they have to have yeah. scholarships and, you know, yeah. It's kind of just not really a, a, it's kind of a mismatch. The system isn't really a good match for, for making art really. Yeah. Yeah. If anything, what I've learned in my, in my time teaching is that um, there's a real value to um, a university setting for art and also like a totally separate value for a more like just art centered, you know, institution um, sure. where yeah. they're not, where they're not bound by the rules of the, that, you know, the same rules that the accounting program has to follow or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I've kind of learned to value that a little bit more, but but, you know, you know, we get back to this idea of uh, that kind of gut feeling and that intuition, like that's something that that students struggle with because, they've, it, you know, sometimes we, we could argue institutionally, you know, that they've had that drummed out of them in their elementary school and grade school days. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think there's a sense of that, uh, you know, and maybe this is a, just a general university thing where you have to get this high mark you have to get an a in order to prove that you know something mm-hmm. yeah and that's easy to do if you've got a multiple choice test in front of you or you can write an essay and, and argue your point but if you're if you're trying to create an environment of artistic exploration it becomes like part of the, the instructor's job to say okay at what point do i say you understand you know, light and shade, you understand composition. Um, but now what happens if you totally break those rules and make something that like blows me out of the water? It's because it's so innovative, you know? Yeah. But where's the room for that in a, in a classroom? And so every artist, I think in and out of the classroom, at some point you have to give yourself permission to say like, I know this is how it, you know, would be done if I was following this set of rules. And I, and I understand that rule and I can apply that rule, but I'm, I'm choosing not to. And that's totally okay. Like I'm, I can do that and I'm not going to like burn down the house or something. Yeah. I think that that kind of gets to, I think that kind of gets to what you're saying about values. I think that, and I think it'd be interesting to explore like that connection between values and, and intuition Um, but I think if you are as a student, if you come to a piece of art and you don't have any sort of values that dictate, that drive you towards like, why would I do this differently? Like, um, I don't know, maybe there's a connection there. So maybe you can explain a little bit about why values are important and how this relates to this, this, um, intuitive process of, of figuring out, you know, what direction to go as an artist. Yeah. So you know, one of the things that I, I said in the in the lecture was that because uh, because somebody else asked kind of a similar question about like like how what if you don't have a specific intention? How are you mm. supposed to you know figure that part out? And we talked about this idea that like just your curiosity, like that can be a value. Like you can value mm. your curiosity, and and that can also be an intention as well. Like if you if you have this intention to follow where you're curious then that still is like a guiding principle, even though it might look to other people like you're maybe bouncing around a little bit, but you're, yeah. you're, you're saying to yourself that like one of the things that makes me cool or whatever everyone said is that I'm interested in all kinds of stuff and I'm curious about life and I'm curious about uh, art making possibilities. And if, if I can just accept that about myself and acknowledge that that is a good, good part of my personality which is often contrary to what, you know, the rest of the, uh, the institution might try to tell you, then you can, you can end up doing some really, really interesting things. And, um, you know, we had one of, one of the students I've had before, um, who's now in grad school now doing, doing cool stuff is, um, she was creating these, um, these like three dimensional scenes uh, where she'd make the doll and make everything in the scene out of paper and fabric and the whole thing. Um, And I remember her coming to me before her senior year and saying, um, you know, this is what I really like to do. uh, But I don't think that um, this is what I should be 
what I should be doing. You know, that big should word is always a problem, <laughs> like the worst. Yeah, word. yeah, geez. And um, and and I looked at it and I was like, why on earth would you not do these? These are so cool and they're so different <laughs> than everything else. And it took, you know, great, you know, I'm I'm grateful to say that she pursued it and and did a whole you know BFA show on it and it was awesome and she got some awards for it. And it's that kind of thing of like, here's somebody who has this great skill of curiosity and uh, but is afraid to make it an intention because they feel yeah. they want to let other people define your intention. Like you should be painting or drawing this way. And it's so hard to, to, to get a student to be able to say, like to look at them and say, I, you'll still get a good grade but you have to explore like, and, and kind of like trust your gut. And that's, they seem like opposing things. Yeah. I think, I think the fact that you bring up, uh, like you talk about the Holy ghost or, you know, following the spirit, as we like to say, you know, I think as, as like a young LDS art, like specifically for like a young LDS artist, if you want, if there's room, I think within, um, the church for artists, but you have to find like the right, right corner you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like as an artist i think that real the focus on the spirit is is really to your benefit right oh, and, yeah. that, or you can also do the focus on like obedience mm-hmm. you know and that's and there's gray area there too it's like it's not like you have to do one or the other mm-hmm. but um the people that i see really really um progressing spiritually and having fulfilling lives are those that really focus on that and i think it is because it it's that place where you feel um, validated in, in paying attention to that intuitive process, whatever that, that looks like for you. Yeah. Yeah, And if it's curiosity, that's awesome. You know, if it's like wanting to make the world a better place, if it's like creating something beautiful, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, and you think about the other aspects of, of the church where we, we openly value revelation. I mean, we want people mm-hmm. to to read scripture and pray about it and ask for the feelings that would come to them to let them know it's true. Like, yeah. for all of our dependence on these like these institutional structures and and facts and figures, when it comes down to the base level of, of the LDS faith, but really, really like any faith, right, is this sense yeah. of saying, I'm gonna I'm gonna read and study, and I'm gonna do what feels right, whether that's a Christian faith or Buddhism or anything else. You're not going to do it if it doesn't feel right to you. Yeah. And, and, but somehow when we get into scholarly studies, it's like, no, no, no. Like if you can't cite your sources, then you're not, your ideas are no longer valid. And, yeah. and so I, I think a lot of artists struggle with that uh, because there seems to be mixed messages sometimes that come from the pulpit where, you know, we want to, we want to have all that beauty and expression and creativity that comes from, you know, that revelation and following that inner spirit. And then we are told, yeah, but you have to wear a suit and tie to church. And it's like, oh, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, you know, this isn't, this yeah. doesn't fit with my role. And I, th- I think that's really, it's, it's not just, const- obviously it's not just constrained to Mormonism. And I mean, this is, right, it can get right. so tricky because I have, there are so many shoulds and what you're supposed to do in art as well. I mean, there's mm-hmm. so many like rules I learned as far as like, you need to approach art in this way. If you want to be successful, yeah. you have to do art in this way. Yeah. And the truth is, I mean, the more a- after having known so many artists, but also like doing, doing this podcast is that like every single artistic path is completely different. Mm-hmm. And I get, I get more and more skeptical over, over time of people that are talking about rules as a, as a, as applied to art. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those can be very helpful, but when in doubt, you know, I think you need to pay very close attention to like, you know, your gut. Um, I, I think about my own case of just being like, like feeling, um, feeling like pressure to continue with something because I've already invested. I here's this direction I've taken in my career. Mm -hmm. I've already invested so much in this direction. I can't let this go, Mm -hmm. but using that should that I created for myself to keep myself from paying attention to like, okay, what actually feels right here? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, that was, you know, one of the things that this is a story I tell my, my students a lot because I've, you know, I tried different things out career wise. I was in you know, mm-hmm. design studios and ad agencies and web design stuff. And 
Um, at one point, I, I was hired on um, to work in a, a small video game studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had always said up to that point, like, you know what, like, games are fun, but I don't really, you know, I think you've got to be really careful with them. Like anything else, I think for some people, they can be really problematic. And especially like for kids, it kind of worries me. I don't know, you know, maybe I'm going to face some backlash for saying that, but it's just, you know, that's how I've always felt. <laughs> no, I think, I think they're one of the most addictive things. I have, I have not had any addiction in my life worse than video games. So oh, wow. yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm totally, totally with you on that. Yeah. So, so I was at this, this studio and, and I know I don't want to, you know, I don't want to go into too much detail with it, but, but I remember thinking like at the time I was working, um, doing some web design stuff, which admittedly I was not great at. And in large part because I wasn't passionate about it, right? Yeah. Um, and and I got uh, this opportunity to go work at this game studio. And, and in my mind, you know, going back to this idea of values, I was like, this doesn't really fit with what I'm doing. But I kind of said to myself, you know what? I've, I've always said that. And I wonder if, you know, maybe I'm just saying that because I'm afraid of it. Maybe I'm saying that because um, other people I knew were doing it and I didn't think I was as good as them or whatever. <laughs> Um, so, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to take this on as a challenge to see if, if I've been right this whole time, if my gut was telling me right. And, um, and sure enough, I got in and I was like, this is not for me. This is not, this is not part of my value system. And, um, but it was a, you know, a a full-time job with benefits and we had little kids and, and, you know, when you're providing for a family as an artist, that opportunity doesn't come around very often. So we were just we were really going back and forth and, and my poor wife, you know, I'd, I'd come home and say like, this is just the worst, you know? Um, <laughs> but then we had kind of a chance meeting, you know, something I consider serendipitous now or um, with some, uh, with a professor up at the U and the idea kind of came like, well, what if, what if you went back to school and um, pursued a degree so that you could teach? Hmm. And I remember thinking like, what a, what a stark contrast that was because on one side I was promoting something that, that I didn't really feel was benefiting anybody. And, yeah. and, and yep. my, my values were like, you know what, if, if, you know, speaking spiritually, I consider my artistic uh, abilities to be a gift from God so that I say, well, what would he want me to do with this? So what, so my intention at that point became how can I use my gift appropriately and and if you take the the faith base out of it you could say just how could i use my gift in a way that feels right and um and that felt right i was like oh that's that's much better and luckily you know my wife felt the same way and so we took that risk of leaving this job and going back to school with hopes that things would work out but with you know but it was that kind of thinking where we kind of said like this this is a real value judgment for us this is a moment mm-hmm. where we have to like be willing to um, put what we really want on the line. You know, it's like yeah. paying the extra, I mean, a much more base examples like paying the extra money to get a, you know, solar panels on your house or an electric car. If you really, if you're passionate about that, it's like, like, you know, economically it doesn't make as much sense right now, but it doesn't, does it make you feel like you're doing the right thing right now? Well, sure. So, so who can argue that, you know? Yeah. You know, one thing that really strikes me about this and it's, it's so, it's so, um, it's synchronous in a lot of ways because I, I just recently completed an experience that kind of matches this mm-hmm. where it's, it's like, I think, um, some, sometimes you need to really understand the next step. You, you kind of just need to make a choice, you yeah. know, and, and clearly, really like you, you found out pretty quickly that, that working at the game studio was, did not fit with your values, you mm-hmm. know? But you kind of making that choice helped you to see that, right? Right. Um, yeah, it's hard to argue against the experience. Yeah, I, I mean, I just recently had an experience like that where it's like I'm not kind of kind of not sure what to next what's the next step I should take. So I kind of tried something, and I'm like, yeah, this this was fine, but it's it's not the next step. <laughs> you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It helps to clarify those things, you know? Yeah. Well, that's you know that's something that comes up a lot in the classroom too. Is the students are, you know, especially as they get toward graduation, they're worried about the future and about what that job is going to look like, or, you know, trying to get the perfect job. And we often tell them the same thing, like, just try it, 
Like you're, <laughs> you're young, like it's gonna work yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. Like, like looking back now, I can I can understand the, the trepidation and stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I take a look at opportunities I had. I mean, I remember taking stuff even when I was in high school that I think, oh, yeah. what on why on earth did I do that? What a horrible choice. But I wouldn't have known how horrible a choice it was if I hadn't tried it. So here I am, you know. Yeah. I mean, speaking of which, I mean, the, the way we first got to know each other was, was through eight fish, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and eight fish, um, you know, kind of a legendary, uh, what would you call it? Crossroads for a lot of, a lot of great artists. I think a lot of the artists that, that went through there, yeah. you know, and it was, it was a really, um, challenging place to work, you know, just very, very high, high pressure place, you know, quick turnarounds on things. And a lot of times when I was working there, I was just like, not, not enjoying myself, you know, yeah, yeah. but I look at how I ended up there and where that led me in all sorts of ways. As far as just like, when I left there, I was just like, I was just like a professional, you know, Ooh. I knew how to like deliver, like how to create something, deliver it. Um, but also like every other job that I, that I've, had since then came from relationships that I made working there. So there's this element of just like, like people are like, where should I go? And it's like, wherever you go, you are going to meet people, you know, that will likely be, um, you know, friends that you're going to have for the rest of your life. Yeah. You know, as long as, as long as, as long as you work hard and you take pride in what you're doing, you don't have to stay at that place forever, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, it'll be worth it. Um, so, yeah. and that's, that's so important. I'm, I'm really glad you, you voiced that because I think that's, you know, people say it all the time, but it really is true. Like the art community is small, like people know each yep. other, you, no matter what part of it you're in, you know? And, and, uh, if you, if you look at the job as the main focus of anything you're doing, then I think you really do miss out on those, those connections mm. with people. Cause I, I mean, I think that like early on, like, like, you know, who was there? There was you and um, the Raynox and uh, Peter, you know, artists that I, I still yeah. just look up to and be like, holy cow, how do you guys even do the stuff that you do? Um, and, and I look back and think, man, I wish I would have, like, been a better friend and not been, like, so like, focused on my hearing aid photo and, and learned more from the people around me, you know? Like, it's so funny you talk about the hearing aid photo, and I know exactly which client you're working for. I remember working on that same job. <laughs> Well, I was just like, yeah, I remember I was, I would be like trying to, you know, focus on batch converting all of these photos. And I'd look over my shoulder and, and, you know, Peter's like doing giant murals and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is the worst, (laughs) but, but I wasn't, I wasn't in any position to be doing what he was doing. I still probably can't. And so, uh, but at the time I was just full of that, like recent graduate, like, give me something to do, you know, and. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, but like you're saying, like, you know, those, those experiences are, are so formative and, and you're absolutely mm-hmm. right that even now, um, you know, now that I, I teach, I invite artists from jobs that I've had that jobs that I didn't like, but they're amazing artists. And I invite mm-hmm. them to come speak to students and, um, share their work. And I mean, well, you've done it. Um, and, uh, it's, it really does. It just helps everything out. And, and I think I really have been led in so many ways to opportunities that can help me to be doing what I'm doing now a little bit better, you know, being a better teacher, being more understanding of the challenges that, that are going to come or that are already coming for some of the students, even just on a compassionate level, like looking at some of the things they struggle with and being like, yeah, like I know exactly what that feels like because I, I felt like that outsider in the program. And I felt like that guy that didn't want to go, you know, paint New Testament paintings all the time. And, you know, I, I, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're trying, that's, I, that's like that very, maybe it's not as, as unique as we think, but that idea of, of growing up Mormon and, and having a little bit of a different way of looking at things and trying to figure out where you fit in and all of that, you know, yeah, for that's sure. uh, <laughs> you end up at BYU and you're like, I want to do this like weird, bizarre stuff. You know, yeah. Well, I was uh, I'm really lucky. Like I had, I've had good friends really my whole life who have been better at making choices than I have. To be honest, like, mm-hmm. like you know, I, I I said this in my talk. Like it took me 
three times to get into BYU. And, and honestly, the, the only two reasons I did were because I had, you know, my best friends from high school were down here and, mm. and I knew the illustration program was supposed to be good, but I didn't, I didn't have the smarts to like, look at what was being taught. I just heard good illustration program. I'm like, sweet, I'll go try for that. <laughs> and then I get in and it's very figurative and classical. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I don't need, this isn't me. And, um, but you know, that opened the doors for so many things. And it was because, you know, again, I had good friends who said, you know, you should come try this out and we want you to come stay with us. And, um, and jobs have been the same way, like you described, you know, people open the doors for you after experiences that weren't ideal and, and those kind of things just shape us and, and help us become who we are. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty cool process to like see unfold. Uh, you know, over time. I mean, when you're in the middle of it, it can be so full of angst and anguish and just and worry, you know, um, and maybe that has to be part of the process to, to, to get you to where you are, you know? Yeah. I think for some people it, it does, you know, and I, I think, um, you know, we all, I don't know, we, when we grow up, um, in the church, especially there's a stigma attached to people that don't follow all the the correct mile markers at the right time. Mm-hmm. And the older I've gotten, I'm like, man, you know, you're lucky if you get half of those mile markers. Right. And, and, and for some people it's, you know, that the path doesn't look anything like we understand. And, and, and my faith is such that, that I think wherever you are in life, uh, if you're following that intuition, then you're right where you need to be, whether that's in a chapel or out. So uh, I just, um, I, sorry. I, I, so I want to ask you a little bit more about the idea of faith as you're discussing it here. And this is, this is interesting because it's, it's faith in the sense of, of kind of following a certain path, not necessarily like, I mean, there is this whole thing about faith in, in whatever beliefs, which is a totally different thing, but this idea yeah. of faith, as far as how you make decisions and how you live your life and how you, you, re, you relate to those decisions. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you could like talk a little bit a, about that. Yeah, uh, sure. So I think, um, you know, one of, one of the things that is difficult for, for artists, especially, I'll try to keep it, you know, within that vein is, um, this idea of, of having faith, um, in, in what you're doing and in your process and in, in what you're feeling. And it's, it's, very hard to um to teach that i think mm-hmm. you know we uh, it's like when we talk about like teaching creativity like you can you can show examples of it right? like we can look at somebody that's had confidence artistically or done creative things but there's there's something in you that that either goes that direction or doesn't and mm. um and it's much easier to fit into the rest of the world, to fit into the structures around us. If you put aside that faith in yourself and in what you feel mm-hmm. is right and just go with the flow. Right? And we see, yeah. we see that all the time. Um, and so, you know, artistically you might be saying, well, how, you know, I really feel like I'm, I can do more with this, this opportunity or this composition or whatever else but that's, you know, that's going to lose me some friends. Or that's going to get me sure. a failing grade or something. And so, um, so we put it aside and we kind of hide it away. And, and if, um, if we don't allow that part of ourselves to grow, um, then I think we, we really miss out. Other, other industries put it differently, right? They talk about like, um, like we hear a lot of time from like business people, this idea of uh, the freedom to fail or, you know, that kind of stuff. It's basically the same thing where you're you're saying like the faith that I have is that this experience, whether it's judged as a success or failure is worth doing is worth trying. Yeah. I think that's the big thing there. Right. And, um, and that's, that's so, so hard to get people to believe in. And I think in, in large part, you know, that's why we see so many people that just kind of live this kind of mediocrity because they feel like, they don't want to take that risk or they see it as mm. too much of a risk. Maybe is a better way to say, it. you know, like it, it's, it's so funny 
you know, with the teaching, especially, I keep going back to that because it's so much of my life right now, but um, the sense of like, you know, if a student comes and says, well, I, I, you know, I've been doing all this oil painting, but I really want to try colored pencil. And it's like, <laughs> well, just do it. Like, what's the big deal? Right? But, but for them, there's like all this risk and stigma that they have like yeah. no faith that their skills will translate or that they'll be accepted if they, you know, do whatever. And, and you know, that's just, it's something that you have to personally overcome if you want to get through those, those creative blocks and barriers. And, it, it's it's funny you say like it's it's something you can't really learn or, or or you know some people just kind of have it naturally like I feel like it's something that's that's I've had to develop just by going through the difficulty of life mm. and eventually it just comes to a point the one way I like to kind of think about it is that like the the best way to live life for me is to live it more like I'm watching a movie than I'm playing a video game mm. you know if I can kind of sit back and be and be like what's gonna happen next? Okay. And I can kind of give up the sense that I'm in control a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, which, I mean, you can totally look in a spiritual way as far as like, yeah, I'm going to surrender to God's will. If you want to call it that. True. Um, but um, that's kind of how it feels when you talk about faith is just this idea of like, I don't need to like stress so much that I'm going to do it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, I can just kind of sit back and watch the show. And that includes watching, watching myself. And be like, oh, what do what do I want now? Like, what 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 are my values? What do I feel drawn to? Yeah. And just kind of having faith in that, and be like, let's see what happens if I just sit back and watch watch that unfold. You know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that a lot. I mean, can you imagine the growth that comes if if people you know disconnect themselves a little bit, just just that little bit from that sense of control. And mm-hmm. allow themselves to say, you know, I'm going to try this. I can't control the outcome, but I can control yeah. whether or not I actually make the effort. Yeah, and then just see what see what happens. You know. Yeah, you can definitely say, ask like, does this align with the things that that matter to me and that I value? Well, you know, you mentioned at the beginning um, that I had this guitar that I used in the in the talk yeah we should have started with that why are we oh, coming at the you're, end you're good. You're good. no but i did what i what i used it for was for twofold one and i didn't really talk about this in the talk so it actually is kind of nice to be able to share it now but um the guitar belonged to my uh let's see it would have been my great grandfather and um wow that's an old guitar it's an old guitar it's like 100 years old and um in fact i just saw uh, they they did a little like biopic about robert johnson the blues player and, and in the scene of the movie he's playing the same guitar that i i had so if, if any of your guys know robert wow. johnson, it's like old school um but uh but i i thought a lot about it because there's there's this like family folklore that you know he the guy that or the relative that owned it was like running illegal hooch across state lines and <laughs> all this kind of stuff and and i and he was a bus driver for a while. I got a great picture of him with his bus. And and my my family, like my parents um, were converts to the church. And so we don't have this like long pioneer history. So I think like where's your where's your family from initially? Are they like from the Mountain West or uh, no, come more, more back east, like Chicago and Iowa and Ohio? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my parents moved out out west uh, before I was born, but. Uh, but just right when they were newly married or actually right before they were married. So, um, so yeah, so that, like that whole side of things is kind of fresh for me. And I think like, here's this guy that was, you know, rambling around with a guitar that he bought from the Sears catalog and running hooch or whatever. Like he probably (laughs) didn't think that he'd have a, uh, any posterity that would be teaching at a religious institution, (laughs) like (laughs) teaching art, right? Like not, not at all part of it. So there's that kind of like, you know, this, this growth and change that happens as, as you know, people do, they, they follow their hearts in different ways, which is, is always fun to share. But, but the real purpose of the, of the guitar and the talk was this idea of here's this thing that's it's old and finicky and it's, it lacks all the modern technique of guitar building that keeps something in tune longer. And so just the way it's built means that it's going to be out of tune the minute you pick it up. And so if you, if you want to play on it, you have to kind of accept that it's not 
it's not this perfect thing that it's going to be maybe a little bit out of tune or that you're going to have to give more attention to tuning it to like really, you know, make it sound the way you want. And, um, and I use that with my students say like, look, like this is, this is a perfect metaphor for your art and for your life. Like it looks good on the surface, right? Like you, you stand up and you look like you're ready to go, but there's all kinds of tuning that has to be done to make you make the sound you want. And there's all kinds mm-hmm. of imperfections in you that are going to affect the way that, that you do it. I mean, I personally love the way that guitar sounds because it's, it's rattly and buzzy and old. and It's got a sound that's very unique to that guitar because of its imperfections. And it means a lot more to me. And family connections aside, even, it's just like, this sounds so much cooler than any brand new guitar. And, mm. and when we look at our lives that way and we say like, yeah, like I'm, I've got my, my weaknesses and I've got my flaws and I've made my mistakes but if I can bring all of that and kind of fine tune it into the art that I make, man, that's, that's some powerful art, right? That's way better than if I just learned how to play it perfectly on a perfect instrument. Yeah. What I like about that is it's, it's, it kind of has this nice balance between kind of being at peace with, with what you have, but also like saying like, okay, there is, there is some effort here as far as like, how I tune this thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've got, you've got a level of control that, that is probably more than we are wanting to recognize most days. Right. Like Mm. I'm a bit afraid of how much I can actually, you know, determine the course of things. And so Mm. it's this combination, like you're saying, like you're watching that movie of your life, but you also like, it's almost like a, a bit of that choose your own adventure. Like you can pick every now sure. and then the way that plot goes and like, Oh, I yeah. see what's happening here. I'm going to change that up a little bit, or I'm going to, I'm going to tweak that. And, and so it's, it, there's, there's a lot of like Zen principles in there of that kind of ebb and flow back and forth of, of letting both, both aspects have their day a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think there's, there's kind of this spirit as I hear you talk about it though, of, of like a playfulness to it. And I think that's maybe sometimes when people talk about like, uh, agency and choice, you can get really neurotic about it. Right. Yeah. For sure. It's like, if I, if I make the wrong choice, like things are just going to like explode, you know, things are going to fall apart. Yeah. Well, that's the thing right there. You, you, you put the word right out there is the wrong choice. We assume <laughs> we assume that there's always a, a right and wrong. Yeah, yeah, and, and that that might apply to some things. I mean, there's like a there's certainly some things that are right in the world and, and others that are wrong. But artistically, geez, there's a whole lot of gray area there. Yeah, most people, if you're a decent person, most decisions in your life are 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 going to take you in the long term someplace that's going to be beneficial to you if you can if you can learn from them right yeah i think that's true like and and that's another good point too the learning from it right you you have to be engaged right there's that that part of learning learning doesn't doesn't happen to you just casually you have to apply it maybe that's that's another mormon adage that idea of your (laughs) your learning and your understanding becoming wisdom right where we say you, you've applied your heart to it and it's no longer just understanding, but it's wisdom. Mm. And I think that that kind of goes above and beyond any, any of the, uh, the other various aspects of the faith where we say, are you, are you just going through the motions? Like, do you, you know, you understand that you show up to church on Sunday or whatever else, or is your heart mm. in it? And is it, is it a wisdom kind of effort? Same with the art. Like I, I understand the color theory, but if I can really apply it with some some thought and not just pure observation of what's in front of me, well, then you know, then that's when the magic starts to happen. I'll tell you, you know, uh, I, that phrase I just said that when the magic starts to happen, that reminds me of an interview I heard once with um, with Ben Harper, the musician, who was an avid skateboarder, and um, this was later on in his life. I think he was. Um, well, he's probably the age I am now, about 40, but um, he said he was getting back into skateboarding after having some time away from it. And he had been practicing his ollies and he finally got to a point where he could ollie over a fire hydrant. And that was the phrase he used where he's like, once you can do that, that then things start to open up. That's when the magic starts to happen. And I was like, <laughs> like that's really kind of genius. Like what, what are the mile markers where you say like, okay, I can do this. Now the magic, that's when the magic opens. You know? Yeah. What's going to happen? There's, 
there's some, there's definitely some same things. I'm obviously like, got to learn how to dribble basketball before you can really start to start doing anything. Not that I'm a baller by any stretch of the imagination. (laughs) I don't know. What what would that be for art? Was it, was there a milestone for you where you're like, now that I know this, things are really opening up. I think there's been a few. Um, Some of it is technique. Some of it like where you start to see like, Oh, I, I can understand proportion well. I had a great, uh, mm. great anatomy and figurative drawing instructor at Boise State who he taught us from the inside out. So we we started drawing with a skeleton and then mm. worked our way up to models. And and that there was a moment for sure. I'm like, oh, I can see when that bone is the wrong length, or you know that finger is out of whack. And and once I saw that, it was like, oh, well now even you know I can purposefully make it wrong. And have that confidence of like, I know I, I could do it the other way if I wanted to, but I'm, you know, this is the choice I'm making as opposed to being beholden to my own weakness, right? Sure. Same thing when I started doing more of the abstract stuff with the brush and the ink and, and working with dancers, there was a sense of like, oh, I don't have to make things representational and I can still make yeah. art. And like, ooh, that's, yeah. that opened up a big door for me. I was like, wow, this is, <laughs> now I feel like I'm actually making art, you know, this is fun. Some, sometimes that's all about like seeing, seeing, like for me, it, it was specifically seeing Guy Davis's work. He's a comic book artist. Uh-huh. Um, but seeing his work, it was very loose. And that was one of those things where it's like, I was looking at people like uh, Frank Cho, who does this very, very like solid, really precise ink work. And just like, oh yeah. man, I, I'm trying to do this, trying to do this. And then I see Guy Davis's stuff and I'm like, oh, I can draw like that. I can be loose and energetic Mm-hmm. And which is much more of a fit for, for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there can be kind of, I mean, that seems like that seems very much along the same lines with, with your, with your work too. Right. It's like, you try to fit it into a certain, I mean, yeah, you try to fit in a certain box and it just doesn't, doesn't work. It has to kind of go its own direction. Right. Yeah. Which I will say is something that is, it makes it hard as an illustrator to like, because mm-hmm. people are like, well, how can I commission you if I'm not sure what you're doing right now? <laughs> and, and so that's where more of my like where i feel more akin to a fine art mindset sure because yeah i'm like i just i want to i want to make those pictures for you but but you know i also need to grow and need to be expressive and so it's it can be kind of a back and forth but my poor agent is probably like how do i possibly market this guy but <laughs> Hey, but at least you've got like a very distinctive, how often do you get, do you get, um, freelance work that like matches up with like, um, your kind of more fine art, um, approach to things? You know, um, it's probably about half the time I'd say. Oh really? That's not bad. That's really not bad. Yeah. It was getting better and like, it was just starting to kind of hit. And then, uh, when COVID really took its toll, Every, and everything kind of slowed down. I was like, oh, shoot, you know, I've got to figure this out again. But, but I was really lucky. Like I, I, I made some stuff that, that really felt true to that spirit. And, um, mm. and it got, uh, it, it was well-received. Got a couple of awards and things that made me, like it pushed that confidence of like, yeah, I feel like I can, I can do this. You know, it's going to take a little bit more time than I wanted it to, but, um, but people are into it. So that, that always feels good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's one of these concepts where it's like you do the work you want to get. I mean, the fact that you've invested in that stuff and it's like, you have such a distinctive style. It's not like anyone is going to like, they got to go to you if they want to get that style. (laughs) (laughs) That's the hope. That's the hope. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking with, um, we had another guest today. We had Rose Dahl in our uh, professional practices class in school today. And she's so great. And, um, I don't know if you know her work or not, but she's got the most extensive. She's like, she's a figurative painter, but she builds individual like maquettes for each figure and then photographs it and lights it. Like it's this intense process that would drive me crazy, but she does it so well. And, um, and she was sharing with us his ideas about, you know, when you're an artist out there, like you can, you can be really skilled and you can, um, you know, have all these different aspects of your work in place to that technically you're good. But if you don't have any vision with it, any personal expression or voice, then like that's always going to be a hindrance for you, right? You're not going to get, you know, the the yeah. work or the notoriety you want if you're always just like 
being the risk for everybody, as we say, you know, you've heard that term before. Um, it's, uh, it's, yeah. it's really true. And I spent a lot of years, a lot of time being the risk for people. And um, so I always am grateful for those chances to do something more. Yeah. I think, I think you and I are probably in this, in the same vein where our work is, our personal stuff is just, I mean, I see it looking at your stuff that it's, it's just on another level than any of the stuff that you might do to fit into to some sort of box, you know? Mm. Um, so it's just like, it's one of, there's artists I see sometimes like that, where they're like, I'm trying to do something to pay the bills, you know? And so here's my stuff to pay the bills. And then I see their personal stuff and I'm just like, yeah, if, if that's what you need to do to pay the bills, like, cool. But this other stuff is just like, so awesome, you know? <laughs> well, I'm and um, you consider it that way. Thank you. Yeah. And it's, I found for myself that just like anytime I'm just like, oh, I'm trying to do this thing. Cause I think this is the thing that's going to make money. Mm-hmm. And then I set that aside and just be like, here's the thing I really want to do. Mm-hmm. The thing I really want to do just connects with people better, you know? Yeah. yeah for so, sure. Well, there's, that's such a, a powerful lesson, you know, and, and it, it kind of connects with a lot of what we were saying before this idea of, um, I have, if you have a, a student that comes and says, I want to be, you know, this, that, or the other, when it comes to illustrations, if I don't hear them say at some point, this is uh, what feels right to me, or this is where I find the most you know, personal happiness or expression, then I always get like a little bit like cautious. And I feel like, hmm. like, you know, you're going to, I mean, the phrase I've used before, and again, something else that would get me in trouble is, you know, given enough time, I could teach anybody how to draw relatively well, like from a figure study, like mm-hmm. you, know, you can learn the principles and you could draw what you see and that's fine. And, and, you know, with enough practice, I think just about anybody can develop the muscle memory and everything else to do that. But if, um, if there's not a little bit more in you, a little bit of curiosity or something else that's driving you to break free from that, then I don't know if I can really help you, become you know something more become you know like really dive into that true artist sure. kind of spirit um and i say that because i think i've had to go through that process of of yeah. getting rid of those demons a little bit to be able to say like oh no like this is like you said like this is something else this is you know a different place for me to be and and, and it might mean it's not as commercial or it's not gonna get all the praise of something that's more recognizable but it just feels like much more right. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the processes that just comes with time, like Mm -hmm. finding your voice, Mm -hmm. you know, that process of bouncing around, you're doing this, you're doing that. And then you just, one day you find yourself like, Oh, this is, this is my voice. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is the way I do things. Um, it's so funny. And I'm sure the, there's like the question you get about like, Oh, how do I develop a style? How do I get a style? You know? And it's just like, yeah, just don't worry about it. It just yeah. like, it naturally comes out. It just naturally kind of comes out. <laughs> yeah. If anything, like try to not have a style and you'll probably end oh, up yeah. like, yeah, get rid of all that. Like try, don't try to fit into any, any label or at least not consciously. Mm-hmm. You will like, there'll be a critic or somebody that'll say, Oh, you're, you know, you're doing this postmodern whatever. And it's like, well, fine. That's, that's sure. for them to decide. But everyone has influences, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you yeah. and I, you know, we could rattle off all day, the people that we could say, though, this is why I draw that way. But mm. at, at some point, like, you just have to let go of that and just, just draw, just paint, just, yeah. just get into it and see what happens. And the more you do it, you know, it's like working in a sketchbook and getting your ideas out. You got to get through those first hundred or 200 crappy ideas to get down to the, the bare <laughs> basics. I, I used to run yeah. like run distances more. And I, I remember like my body would shift. I'd be running and I would be pushing myself and I could feel my body like kind of resisting it and my brain resisting it. And then after a given amount of time, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes in or whatever, everything would just go. It was like my body was saying, Oh, this is what we're doing now. Okay. Yeah. And it would calm down and you, and I would just be able to run freely and breathe freely. And, um, and it's that same process with art. It's like you, you, you do it, you do it. You just keep going and going, going without, you know, trying to worry about where the finish line is. And eventually mm-hmm. you get into a groove and you're like, Oh, okay, this is, this feels good. This is, you know, this is enjoyable. I'm in my zone or however you want to put it, you know? 
yeah, that's a good place to be if you can if you can figure out how to get there. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely the worth worth the price of admission. Yeah, right? and like you said, it takes time. Well, cool. Um, maybe we ought to wrap it up there. That seems like a natural place to wrap it up. So great. Um, David, this has been like so such an amazing discussion. I had no idea it was going to be so much fun, but uh, I, I totally loved it. Oh, so, thanks, man. Um, Thank you so much for the invitation. It was great <laughs> talking to you. Yeah. Um, huge fan of your work. I love all the stuff you're doing. And there's just this, I, I mean, it's, it's really cool having known you and having seen the journey and to see um, how you develop it as an artist and where you are and the stuff you are doing. So um, yeah, it's Thank inspiring. You. Just, just kind of watch the stuff you do. So you've been listening to how to be an artist to support this podcast. You can go to patreon.com forward slash H2BNA.